the prayers that have been prayed. We thank you for those that have taken time out of the schedule to come and hang out with us and to worship and to magnify your name. Father, we ask that you bless your word, that it will fall upon the good soil of our hearts and gain much fruit, and that we will grow thereby. We thank you and we honor you for it all. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are on the eighth episode of our series called One Team, One Vision, One Mission, One Voice. This is not the final episode. We got more episodes to go, but I just wanted to remind you, this is the this is the eighth iteration, the eighth episode of this. One team, one vision, one mission, and one voice. If y'all could say that with me. One team, one vision, one mission, and one voice. And so when we started off talking about this one team, one vision, one mission, and one voice, we discussed... First of all, what does one mean? And we found out that one means complete or whole, entire. And we looked at how Genesis, from the beginning of time, God has operated in oneness. And because he made us in his image and in his likeness, we also have this desire to walk and operate in this oneness. Jesus even prayed that even as him and the Father as one, he wanted us to operate as one. Then we looked at examples of this oneness. We looked at the Tower of Babel and we saw how God even said because they were operating in oneness, they can accomplish anything. And so he confused the language. And then we looked at it when it was done properly that on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit came, they were able to minister to many nations because they operated under oneness. Then we talked about the one team, and we talked about team, uh, and we talked about how team is this eternal norm that God has established. God wants everything done as a team. No one operates as an individual. We all depend one upon another. And when we looked at how someone took 400 to one odds and came out on top when we talked about Gideon. We talked about the smallest team has two components. We talked about uh, every part of the team is essential. Then we went and started talking about vision and we talked about how Vision allows us to see beyond where we are. And then uh, last week we talked about vision was poured out upon all people when Jesus paid the price and caused us to be reconnected back with God. We can now all have vision. There was a couple of definitions that we went over and I'm just going to Hit them very quickly, and if you want them more explicitly, guess what you need to do? You need to go to the YouTube page, and you can go ahead and stop it and pause it so you can hear a little bit better. But we talked about team being a number of persons uh, associated together in a work or activity. We talked about symbiosis. 
We talked about uh, collaboration. We talked about vision being the ability to think about or plan the future with imagination or wisdom. And then I want to emphasize this because this is probably going to be our last session on vision in it within itself. Helen Keller said that it's a terrible thing to see and have no vision. Then she flipped it and said the most pathetic person in the world is someone who has sight but has no vision. So as we have gone through this vision and we talked about what it was and we talked about how God takes what he what we see and he helps us to enhance it to accomplish his goal. And that is not only a spiritual thing, but it's also a physical thing. It's something that can be done in business as well as church. It is this collaborative thing, this thing that works together. It's not only in a silo, but it's a very diverse thing. That's what vision is. It allows us to see the future without necessarily being in the future. Because if you were in the future, guess what it would be? The present. <laughs> Boy, y'all sharper than a sword today. So when we see things in the future, it has no limitations, it has no boundaries, and it has plenty of opportunity for us to pursue it. So with that in mind, I want to remind us of where we started off when we talked about vision. We, talk, we went to Proverbs, the 29th chapter, looking at that 18th verse. And it says, where there is no prophetic vision, this is the English Standard Version, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. And the point that we talked about was, if you have no vision, then you have no direction. And we talked about how if you have no vision, you just run wild. You just all over the place. If you have no vision, another version said you stumble all over yourself. If you have no vision, law and order disappear. We talked about how vision allows you to put up blinders so that you can stay focused toward the direction that you need to go. Because God has gifted us with a lot of abilities and a lot of talents. And we can do a lot of things, but is it the right time to do the thing that you have the gifting for? And so we talked about how vision helps us to go. Help, vision helps us to project. And last week I brought up, I kind of brought up kind of on the side, not a, kind of a side to what I was talking about. I was saying when you're in the right place, that your vision actually falls and coincides with the vision of the leader that you are operating with. And so it's not all about I just like that person in charge or anything. There's some things that need to coincide. There's some things that need to fall in place so that you can accomplish what you have been designed to do and they can accomplish what God has designated them to lead to have accomplished. So I want to look at two examples as we close out this section on vision. I want to want to show you 
the example of what it looks like when this thing don't ain't done right. And then we're going to look at when it is done right. Let's go to Numbers, the 13th chapter. And I'm going to give you these scriptures today. I'm going to give them to you ahead of time because I'm not going to be able to cover the, uh, the whole thing. But we're going to do Numbers 13th chapter, the first through the third, first through the 32nd verses. Numbers 13, 1 through 32, that's the whole chapter. <laughs> uh, and then we're also going to look at Acts, the 10th chapter. And I just want to highlight a couple things. I'm not going to be as long as I usually am. We're only going to do two hours instead of four. Numbers, the 13th chapter, goes like this. Numbers 13, 1, English Standard Version. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. I want to point out, God tells Moses, I want you to send these men out to the land, which I'm going to give you. So this God's, God's already setting the vision. The vision is you're going into this land. I want you to send men out. Now listen to this part. This last part, which, which, which was very significant. Everyone, a chief. of So every person that you send out from the 12 tribes, these 12 men that you send out are going to be leaders of the tribe. Because everyone is a chief among them. Don't just send out anybody. I want you to send out the leaders of the tribe to go and see what I have already set aside for them. Y'all with me? Let's go on to this next verse. He says, so, so Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the people of Israel. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in there in it are strong or weak, whether there are few or many, and whether the, uh, boy, I just jumped verses on you, didn't I? Down to 17. Uh, uh, and see where the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land, because now the time was a season of the first ripe grapes. So I want to set this up and say that God, first of all, tells Moses, Moses now is telling the people, this is the land God's already prepared for us. So the vision is, we're going to go take the land that God has prepared for us. God has already prepared it for us. I'm calling, I want you to send your leaders to me. He briefs the leaders. He says, go to the land. I want to know if, the people, if you think the people are strong or weak. I want you to tell me whether there's a lot of them or a few of them. I want you to tell me whether the, uh, the land is good or bad. Whether the cities that they, he wants an overview of what they're getting ready to get involved in, right? 
He says, I want to know if the land is rich or poor. I want to know if they have trees or not. I want to know, uh, and I want you to be of good courage and bring back some of the fruit to show the folks that this is a good land. This is the land that God has promised us, so I want you to do all these things. So God gave the vision to Moses. Moses is giving the vision to the leaders. And then we look down here at verse number 21. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zan to Rahab, near uh, Lehamoth. And they went up to Negeb and went to Hebron, uh, Ammon, Shishai, and Talmai. The descendants of Anak were there. Hebron was built seven years before his own in Egypt. And they came to the valley of Esco and cut down there a branch with a single cluster of grapes. And they carried it on a pole between two of them. They also brought some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eschol because the clusters that the people of Israel cut down from there, at the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. So they went through all the places. They got the, God got the vision from Moses. I mean, Moses got the vision from God. God gives it to the leaders. The leaders know what the vision is. They go out. They spy the land. They even find a... Can y'all imagine how many grapes it was where they had to get a stick to carry it. It must have been, boy, boy. You can make a lot of strawberry. I mean, uh, strawberry. We talked about strawberry gel, gel, jelly earlier today. But you can make a lot of grape jelly. You can do a lot of things with them grapes. Y'all y'all, y'all, alcohol folks, y'all know what y'all think about. But anyway, so as we look at this, we see they, done, they did everything. They've done everything. They did everything that Moses told them to do, and they come back. And now we're getting ready to get into the to the mess. Verse number 26. And they came to Moses and to Aaron to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit. Because he asked about what's the disposition of the land. However, the people, it's not a however. He said, let us know whether they're strong or weak. He, see, this is, this is all. But see, they started thinking. This, this is the problem. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified. He, this, is, this is everything he already asked them. He said, I want to I know this information. And very large. And beside, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Anak were these giant guys. They're supposed to be very good fighters. So they're like, and they got some Anak, Anakites there. And okay. The Amalekites dwell in the land of Nabab. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. And so it started off good. It came off with a good report. Oh, the land's flowing with milk and honey. All oh, but them people. Now Moses told them, this is what God told me. This is the land he's going to give us. This is the report I need you to come back. He said, I didn't ask for you to explain it to me. I just want to know if this is what's going on. Who's there? Are they strong? Do they look strong? But they came with the wrong attitude. And so this is what happens when you try to walk in the vision, but you ain't really with the vision. Let's look at what happens. So Caleb tried to get it fixed in verse number 
30, 30, you see, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses. Hey, y'all, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Caleb like, man, we got this. God said it. Right, Moses? God said this, right? Yeah. Oh, we got this. We got this. I don't even want to read 31, really. But then the man who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people. For they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it was of great height. Ain't nothing that Moses told them to report. Now, my notes stopped there, but I wanted to add this to it. So what happened was they got up in there and started that nonsense. So God says, if you don't have the vision, you can't accomplish it. So all those leaders, because this is what we discovered, these leaders did not have the vision. So what was the effect of those leaders not having the vision? This is why I say you need to read this for yourself. They got to stay in the wilderness for 40 more years. Because they did not grab hold of the vision. They did not see what the leader had told them that God said for them to do. God says, on further down you'll see where it says, God said, you know what Moses? All these, all the adults right now are going to die except for Caleb and Joseph. Joshua. Everybody else, they're going to die off because they did not have the vision. So they all got to run around in the wilderness for 40 more years. Have y'all ever ran into anybody? You come up and say, you know what? We could probably do this better if we do this. And they say, well, we ain't never done it like that before. I ain't too sure that's going to work. And you say, but, I, you know, I've been thinking about this, you know, and I've been talking to God and, and God, well, I don't. You ran into this. And see, the weight is different if you're an individual compared to if you're a leader. Because if you're a leader, remember, the basic tenet of leadership is having the ability to influence. So if we got 10 of the 12 having a negative influence, this is not going to work. Because this plan, which we discover later, is going to require some fighting. It's going to require some work. It's going to require us to do some things. But if you're not with it, guess what? It's not going to happen. And God said, you know what? Instead of y'all going in there like this, we're just going to walk around a little while longer out here in this wilderness. Milk and honey, land flowing. Big old cluster of grapes. Now you can't have because you don't want to act right. Caleb said it. He said, we can do it. We are more than able. Why? Because we have the God of Israel on our side. All right, let's not dwell on the bad knuckleheads. Let's go to Acts the 10th chapter. Acts the 10th chapter. 
and because of time, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to give you the, the Cliff Notes version of this. But I want this is what I want to point out. There was a man by the name of Cornelius is how it starts off. And Cornelius wasn't even a Jew. He was a, 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 a Roman. And he every day gave to the poor and prayed. And not even a Jew, God says, what this man is doing is making a monument up in heaven. He says, I need for him to get in right relationship with me. So what God brings about, he has, he says, I need to send Peter to Cornelius. But first, I got to give Peter an understanding of what's getting ready to happen. It says that Peter was upstairs waiting on them to finish cooking dinner. And, it, and the Bible says he fell into a trance and he saw this vision of this blanket showing in front of him. And all these animals were in this blanket. And he heard a voice say, come on, Peter, and eat. And Peter said, I can't eat. That's that's unclean stuff. Because remember, Peter was a Jew, so he was under the law. He said, I can't eat that stuff. And then he heard the voice say, what God has created is not unclean. God had to tell him it three, had to show it to him three times. And then an angel shows up and says, hey, Peter, he says, these guys are getting ready to come knock on the door and they're going to ask specifically for you. And when they ask for you, you need to go with them. Peter's like, OK. So these guys come, they knock on the door. They say, we're looking for Peter. They say, he's here. Peter comes down. He says, OK, I'll go with you. So Peter's walking with them. They get there with Peter. Peter's looking around. Wait a minute, this ain't no Jewish area. Where are they taking me? He gets there. He meets Cornelius. When he meets Cornelius, Cornelius starts inquiring of him. And God tells Peter, this man needs to have this relationship with me. I need you to preach the gospel to him. Peter at this moment was in his right mind because you know sometimes he wouldn't be in his right he'd say stuff but this time he realized that the reason that God gave him the vision was so that he would understand that although he thought that salvation was only for the Jews it wasn't and so he realized this and he began to tell them about Jesus and it says that the whole household of Cornelius came to accept Jesus into their lives. So God gives Peter the vision of going out beyond what he thought was. And because of that, Peter actually started the, uh, the flow of the salvation of God to go through the Roman Empire. Now, we know that Paul came and enhanced it, but Peter started it because God gave him the vision and he ran with the vision and he performed it just as God directed. So Peter didn't get up there and say, well, God. This ain't food, this is people. He didn't come up with the excuses. He did what God showed and revealed to him and because he did that we are now 
all blessed. And so as we look and we compare and contrast this, God gave Moses the vision. Moses told the people. God gave Peter the vision. Peter went and talked to the people. We see that the leaders of the Israelites didn't have a good understanding of the vision. While we see that Peter understood where God was going. Remember last week we talked about in Joel 2.28 how God said I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Which meant there was no limitations. It was this pouring out that was going to touch everyone. And because of this, he was using Peter to open up the door and begin to reveal to Peter what needed to happen. I will tell you this as we close. God already sees and God already knows. And I told you before, if you don't want to do it, if you want to be like those 10 guys that came up with the bad report, God will find somebody else. But his desire is he's placed the gifts and the things in you in order to accomplish it. But if you don't want to do it, you're a free will being. So you ain't got to. But if you have a relationship with God, our expectation is that you will listen to him and that you will begin to move in a direction that you will have for you to go. So that you can become a part of what God has going on. And as you become a part of what God has going on, that it not only helps you, but it helps those that are around you. We talked about the pedal, the pedal, the pebble effect. When you drop a pebble in the water and you see the ripples. So we don't know how much effect that you will have when you start operating in what God has for you to do as you start seeing the direction that God will have for you to go as you start doing what God has directed you to do the ripple effects the folks that are affected the folks that are coming to him because of what you've done so it's very important that we be like Peter and not like the ten leaders that were with Moses. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for this day and we thank you for this opportunity. Father, we hear what you are saying. And our desire is to walk in the vision that you have for us and to walk in the vision that you have given us as a community of believers. That you will be glorified in all things and that it will not be about us, but it will be all about you. That folks will come and know that it's you that are doing a great and mighty work in our lives. So, Father, we thank you for this word. And, Father, as we begin to review this word throughout the week, we ask that you will just begin to solidify it into our uh, spirit that it will become marching orders for us, and it will become the paradigm by which we do all things. So thank you for touching our spirit, touching our mind, and touching our bodies. And we thank you for all things. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.